Well, now that we are thanks, uh, past Thanksgiving, you know what that means. We are in Christmas season now. Thanksgiving is kind of like the time when it's socially acceptable and kind of normal to transition to Christmas. Now, I know some people have been, you know, uh, decorating for Christmas and singing Christmas songs long before Thanksgiving. Or you wanted to, but your spouse or your kids forbid it. Any of those? No, I won't make you raise hands. I don't want to out any families like that. Uh, but now that Thanksgiving has come and gone, Christmas is all around. And as we uh, get ready, you know, to gear up for Christmas festivities and events, it's good for us to recognize the season that we're in, the season of Advent. Advent is the season of anticipating. Advent is all about waiting for, longing for, anticipating, and looking forward to the second coming of Christ. Now, again, this, this, this idea of Advent applies both to the people of old who looked forward to Christ's first coming, but also us today as we long for Christ to come again. Today, being the first Sunday in the season of Advent, we are beginning a new series, as Pastor mentioned, called Songs of Salvation. And in this series, we're going to look at beloved Advent and Christmas hymns. And, uh, you know, because I, I think it can be easy, if you're at all like me, to, uh, to, when you say a prayer or sing a song, to just think about, or to just say the words without actually thinking about what they mean, Right? And so during this series, we're just going to look at the, the words of the song and uh, just kind of walk through them together. And today we're beginning with one of my personal favorites, O Come, O Come, Emmanuel. Now today we're just going to go through verses 1, 4, and 6. Uh, but you'll notice at the beginning of every one of the verses, it starts the same way. O Come, O Come, and then a different title about Jesus. And so there's a lot of rich uh, theology, a lot of rich connections to Scripture that maybe this will spark your interest to look into it on your own. Starting with the first verse. O come, O come, Emmanuel, and ransom captive Israel that mourns in lowly exile here until the Son of God appears. Now, this song kind of starts with a, a dejected kind of downward tone. Right? I mean, even, even musically, it's a lot of minor keys, kind of somber, and the words themselves, too, are, are kind of downward. Uh, the first words, too, oh, come, oh, come. It's kind of like pleading, like, please come. And they're pleading with Emmanuel, which Emmanuel, as we read in our reading from Matthew, literally means God with us. Straight from the Hebrew means God with us. Thinking about the next line in the song, and ransom captive Israel. This is referring back to when God's people were in captivity. Uh, they were in captivity both to the Babylonians as well as the Assyrians. They were taken away from their homes. But even during this time, when they were away from their homes, their, their lives were not the way they wanted to, they held on to the promise that God had made to them that God would send their Messiah. 
They had been waiting for that and, and expecting it for quite a long time. I, I found this interesting when, when working on this song, this uh, sermon for this song, that during this time in exile in, in Babylon, there was a shift. A shift from how they, they thought about their Messiah. Before their exile in Babylon, they thought of their Messiah as coming and he would save them from their sins. But during their time in exile, there was a shift. A shift to thinking that their, their Messiah would come with force and overcome their very real enemies. Makes sense, right? They were in captivity. They would have eagerly been waiting for the coming of their Messiah. Probably thinking, okay, any day now, our Messiah is going to come. He's going to break down the gates. He's going to bust off these chains. He's going to defeat our enemies. And he's going to take us to the promised land. Now, we know that's not what Jesus did. But they were longing for their Messiah to come and deliver them from their enemies. Likewise, as we wait for the second coming of Christ, we too have enemies that we long to be delivered from. Our enemies being sin, death, and the devil. I mean, look around. There's so much evil, so much wrong in the world, so much sin. And it feels like every other day we're hearing about somebody we know dying. There's so much death in the world. You know, we desperately long to be delivered from our enemies, to be taken to our promised land of heaven. And that goes well with the second half of this verse. You know, it, it sometimes feels like we are exiles here. The earth is, is not our home. We're, we're strangers here. We're sojourners here. And until the Son of God appears, it, it can, life can be brutal. But when the Son of God does appear and he takes us home, it's all that's going to matter. And I love how that leads into the chorus. You know, these, those words, it follows the somber, dejected tone with a loud and a bold, Rejoice! Rejoice! Be of good cheer! Emmanuel, God with us, will come to you. What a message of hope that is. We're now going to take a look at verse 4. O come thou branch of Jesse's tree, free them from Satan's tyranny, that trust thy mighty power to save, and give them victory o'er the grave. Now this talk about uh, the branch of Jesse connects to uh, the Israelites who are in captivity, right? Now, the branch of, of Jesse is the same thing from our Bible reading from Isaiah 11 that says, the shoot from the stump of Jesse. They're, they're the same. There are two ways of talking about the same thing. And that comes from our prophecy in Isaiah 11. Now, if you remember, King David, uh, uh, Jesse was the father of King David. And it was David who God made promises to promises that he would put a throne, uh, a king on his throne to sit forever. Promises that led to Jesus. And so this is important when understanding the family tree of, of King David, of Jesus. It, it goes back 
to, to Jesse. And to further that connection, does anybody remember where Jesse's from? Uh-oh, guys. Where's Jesus from? Bethlehem, yeah, yeah. They're from the same place. And so that's the king that God had promised David he would put on his throne forever. And so this is hugely important connecting the promises that God made back then to, to where the promise would be fulfilled. So now take that idea back as we, as we go back to the lyrics uh, and visit captive Israel again. So in 586 B.C., is when uh, Babylon exiled or conquered Judah. Many of the Israelites were killed, and the remaining who were left alive were taken into captivity. Now, this was very significant because being taken away from their land was like taking away their identity from them. They had no identity away from their land. And, and in verse, in chapter 10, right before, the chapter before our prophecy for today, God uses this illustration about this large cedar in Lebanon. Lebanon is known for having huge trees, and he compares this tree to Israel. And he tells Israel that he is going to cut them down. Israel, this once great nation, because of their continual sin against God, because of their pride and disobedience, are going to be cut low. And part of what that looks like is being exiled, being taken from their home and going to Babylon. Not a pleasant message. It's a, a terrifying message, uh, a message of pure sadness. Yet, from this great tree that is cut down, there's a stump that remains. And from that stump, a shoot that will come out. And, that, and from that, it will bear much fruit. We heard from our reading today from Isaiah the kind of fruit that this branch will bear. Incredible stuff. It says, The Spirit of the Lord shall be upon him. With righteousness he shall judge. And then it, it describes the kind of amazing things that are going to happen because of uh, the fruit that will be born. The lion will lie down with the lamb. The cow and the bear shall graze together. The nursing child shall play over the hole of the, uh, the cobra. These things don't happen. Yet, because of this shoot that remains from this little stump, the shoot that's going to come forth and bear fruit, peace, harmony, Justice. All these things talk about Jesus. So even great Israel will be cut down and brought low. From the line of Jesse, there will be hope. Now to the next line free them from Satan's tyranny. Satan oppressed God's people back then. Satan oppresses God's people still today. In many ways, Satan does have tyrannical control over the world. Yes, Jesus has defeated him, yet it's not until Jesus comes again that his tyranny will be put to an end, which in part is why 
we rejoice. So who is this Emmanuel saving from Satan's tyranny? Well, as the next line says, those that trust thy mighty power to save. This is a reference to those who have saving faith in Jesus. And this is what connects us, what, what grafts us into this branch that comes from the stump of Jesse. Paul talks about how in, uh, in Romans 11, how through faith in Jesus, we are grafted into this tree. Because you and I, we are not Israelites. We're not of Jewish descent. That promise of the Messiah wasn't made to us. But through faith in Jesus, we are grafted in. We are, we are brought in to that promise. The next line, and give them victory or the grave. I mean, this is the wonderful message of hope that we have. That through Jesus, we are given victory, even over our worst enemy, death itself. Our worst enemy doesn't have victory over us. And that's why, as it leads into the chorus, we rejoice. I want to now look at our last verse today, verse 6. O come now, dayspring, from on high, and cheer us by thy drawing nigh. Disperse the gloomy clouds of night, and death's dark shadows put to flight. So this language directly comes from Luke chapter 1. And this section of scripture is uh, known as Zechariah's song. If you recall, Zechariah was the father of John the Baptist. And, and he says this in verse 76 of John. You, my child, will be called the prophet of the Most High, for you will go on before the Lord to prepare a way for him, to give his people the, uh, the knowledge of salvation through the forgiveness of sins. Right? And that's what John did. Prepare the way of the Lord. He said, repent, for the kingdom of God is at hand. The very next verse, Zechariah says this about Jesus. The rising sun will come to us from heaven to shine on those living in darkness and in the shadow of death, to guide our feet into the path of peace. Now, the wording is a little bit different between the song and the scriptures, but it's the same thing. It's, it's the, same thing. the song says dayspring. The scripture says rising sun. It's talking about the same thing. It uses this imagery of light and dark. When I initially read this, my mind went to uh, a passage that you're probably familiar with as well. Psalm 23. Even though I walk through the valley of the shadow of death, you are with me. This imagery is very rich. Think about it. What is a shadow? A shadow is where there's a lack of direct light. But then, what's coming? The rising sun. These two things, light and darkness, are, are being contrasted just like death and life are being contrasted to each other. So this, this day spring, this rising sun that is coming from on high. The next line, and cheer us by drawing nigh. 
The coming son brings us cheer. The coming of Jesus, more than anything else in all of creation, brings us cheer. The next line, disperse the gloomy clouds of night. In the presence of Jesus, darkness is dispersed. It ceases to exist. Because again, think about what a shadow is. It is where there is a lack of light. So where there is the presence of light, darkness, shadows, simply cannot exist. And similarly to that, in the presence of Jesus, death itself cannot exist. Death's dark shadows are scattered. It's perhaps my favorite line in, in this song. You know, just as a shadow ceases to exist in the presence of light, so does death cease to exist in the presence of Jesus. When we have faith in Jesus, death doesn't win. Now, will our bodies fail and die? Yeah. But in Jesus, though we die, yet we will live. And with that hope, we indeed, we, we indeed rejoice. We rejoice because Emmanuel, God in the flesh, has come and is coming again. Now, we only went through three verses, less than half of the song, but even in those three verses, we see amazing depth of theology and some amazing connections to Scripture as well. And with this song in particular, what a great way to start the season of Advent. Looking back to the first coming of Jesus, but also looking forward to his second coming. Just like the people of old, we wait longingly, expectantly, hopefully towards the coming of Jesus. Rejoice. Emmanuel shall come to you, O God's people. Amen. Lord God, we thank you for our hope. We thank you that in the presence of our Savior Jesus, death is dispersed. God, we ask that you would help us to have uh, reflectant hearts this Advent season as we look back on your first coming and celebrate you uh, coming into the flesh as a baby. But also, may we look longingly and joyfully towards your second coming where you are going to make all things new. We ask this in Jesus' name.